I'm Jessica Metcalf, and this is The Dark Side of Dentistry, the shit no one talks about. I'm a life and business coach and a dentist to oncology patients. I teach high achievers, that's you, how to break through self-doubt, fear of failure, and overworking so dentistry and your life doesn't have to suck. In this episode, Lauren, Karen, and I get into some life questions, the challenging ones that we didn't even realize we needed to ask ourselves. At one point in your career, you decided to become a dentist. That meant putting your head down and striving for that goal. We were taught about a lot of things within science, learned a different language because yes, dentistry is its own language and worked hard and still continue to work hard. The problem with this is if you never took the time to reflect and ask yourself what you truly wanted in life, what truly makes you happy, you could have got stuck on that hamster wheel and sometimes you may not even get off until retirement. But by then, the expectation is that you should already be happy. But you can't just wake up happy one day expecting that without putting in the work. So let's explore that today. Okay, I am so excited to be here with Karen and Laura, who will be sharing us a little bit about who they are first before we really dive into some self-doubt, perfectionism, and what they're seeing on the coach's end of it. So, Laura, tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, thank you so much for having us. It's such a joy to be here. Um, A little bit about who I am. Um, I am somebody that loves to feed alpacas. I'm going to say that first because that is one of my biggest passions. So uh, I'm going to just put that out there first. But beyond that, I am a retired dentist and went on then to become a certified optimized life coach. And uh, I did that because I kind of went through some stuff as a dentist and a life coach really helped me. And at the point where I started to feel better, I thought, I want to do this for people too. And uh, so that is a little bit about me. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing that. Karen, tell us a little bit about who you are. So I was originally a dentist and I was in orthodontics in the UK. And we had an international move six years ago that took us from England over to the United States. And I couldn't work. And it was the first time in my life that I had been almost forced to step away from working. And that gave me an opportunity to really think who I was. And it saw life from like outside in. And it gave me a lot of time to reflect on what dentistry was like. And it was that question of, does it really have to be like that? So I trained as a professional life coach and got my accreditation with the International Coaching Federation. And um, together, Laura and I are supporting women dentists um, who are coming up on all number of issues that Laura and I have first-hand experience of. We've lived that life, we know what it's like. And um, we're just now really excited to support these women through those challenges too. Mm. Okay, I appreciate all that the both of you do with 
helping women see and make those changes because there are definitely times where we feel like we're absolutely alone. And I know when I was going through my own deep, dark abyss, it was one of those things where I'm out on this branch and I was just trying to reach for people, but I didn't know who I could reach for. And it goes back to when I looked at everyone's CVs or where they shared stuff that was going on, everything sounded so perfect. And no one wanted to talk about those bumps and stuff along the way. So going back to that perfect introduction that you guys just gave, what was that one thing that stands out to you that you're like, oh shit, we don't talk about it in our CV, but it definitely happened to me. Laura, would you like to start? Sure. <laughs> so I think that, you know, I remember when it was challenging for me, my when I reached the, the bottom of my burnout, so to speak, I remember just having a complete lack of joy in anything. And it was a facade that I put on every day to go in and pretend to be happy, pretend to be enthusiastic, pretend to love my job, pretend that this was my dream come true. And because that's what I saw everybody else doing. And I just thought, what is wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Why can't I enjoy it? Why can't I do it all? And I think that that, that was the moment where I thought, you know, I've got to work through this because I'm a joyful person. I remember feeling joy in these situations and something's not right. Um, and so that, that was the moment for me where I just thought, I wish I could talk to somebody about this and not feel like there was going to be a repercussion. Like something's wrong with you. Yeah. You're not doing this correctly. This is going to hurt your career. This is, you know, why shouldn't you be joyful? Look at everything you have. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the moment for me. That is so hard because that joyful moment or the expectations, and especially when you hop onto social media and someone then shares saying, well, you have X, Y, and Z and then it invalidates what you're experiencing. And that's hard to then try to unpack on your own when you're like, oh, I shouldn't actually be talking about this and I shouldn't be feeling this. And that is so hard. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Karen, I'll pass the mic over to you. Tell us about that bump along the way that doesn't quite fit into that straight line from A to yeah. Z. I think for me, the, when I real, I didn't even realize that there was a bump mm. along the way yeah. until I was not practicing orthodontics every day. Um, I loved orthodontics. I loved what I did. That what that wasn't the issue. And when I stepped away, I realized I felt better. I didn't hurt. I wasn't so stressed. And I I noticed that there was so much difference when I wasn't doing dentistry. Mm -hmm. that I, when I look back on it, I'm like, why didn't you even see these things happening to be able to stop them that you would feel better? So I could guarantee every year I would get to a point where I, I mean, I've always been prone to get migraines. That's, that's just me. But it would come to a point every year when I would have a period of probably two weeks where I would have a constant migraine. Wow. And at that point in time, it would need me to step away from work because I was sick, 
and like not do anything for two weeks to be able to get back to a point where I could do it again mm-hmm. to build up whatever all the pressure and the stress and the tension and everything else that goes on in day to day to then get to that point a year or almost a year later where you're like okay I'm going to drop off the edge again now So stepping away from being in dentistry made me realize that, oh my gosh, I didn't even have my eyes open to all the pressure that I was under. I never got to the point where I can, maybe it was some sort of form of burnout every year that got to that point, but I didn't have a label for it. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't aware of these terms that we now talk about nowadays and that, you know, you, you, you talk a lot about Jessica, that I, I wasn't aware of that. And I think when I've been practicing, had I been able to listen to somebody like you or somebody else, I may have recognized that in myself, but at the time, just oblivious to it. It's so interesting because when I look back, a large portion of one of the reasons why I felt comfortable talking about mental health or mental illness in general is because my mom's been bipolar my entire life. So a lot of the terminology was very accessible, but when it came to me and when I was diagnosed with depression, I became very angry with myself and disappointed with myself because I knew all the terms, I knew all about it. And yet I was so ashamed because I was like, well, I knew about this, I should have been able to prevent it. And even when we started to have these conversations and stuff, it's still hard being in the dental community, being those high achievers, those perfectionists and setting our own bar so high and then recognizing, okay, those tipping points, maybe once a year, whether we label it as burnout or our crash or whatever it is, we just get stuck in thinking, okay, well, that's my normal. So we're just going to keep living like this. So this brings up a good question where, when we start to look at making a change, why is it so hard for us to actually look at that change saying, okay, I'm ready to do this versus when we're forced to make the change because of a physical ailment or a mental health concern that has happened. And yes, we may in the beginning of that initial reaction be like, okay, I'm in my deep, dark abyss, but we automatically make that change. So why is it harder when there's not that forced exit to want to actually make a change? I think that goes along exactly with what what Karen was saying is that sometimes you don't even realize you're in it because the the changes are subtle. And so you just sort of think that this is a normal part of practicing dentistry, the aches, the pains, the fatigue, the um, the stress, the anxiety attacks. It's just kind of a normal part of it or a normal part of aging or a normal part of and it, it builds slow. So I think that a lot of times we don't recognize that if we just tweaked little things, we could improve how we're feeling. It's almost like when you have a, a chronic illness, you kind of forget what feeling good mm-hmm. feels like. Yeah. And, and you just are in this, this, this is how I feel. This is, this is normal. This is my new normal. And so I think that um, I, I think that it's hard to recognize that there is a change that that needs to be made. And a lot of times we think of change as this big, grand thing that we've got to do. We've got to like totally throw the the bathwater out or the baby out with the bathwater, right? And change yeah. everything. 
Um, and so, and I just don't think people um, in the past have talked about like the little tiny things that you can do that can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it has, it has so much to do with your own personal well-being. I think for me, when we're talking about this, one thing that comes to mind is how we have been brought up in the world of dentistry yeah. um, to be conditioned that we always cope. Mm-hmm. We're, in, we're the person who needs to be seen as the professional. We're the one who's in charge. We're the one who our team looks to for direction. So, and that's gone on like over year, you know, years of being at dental school of having to achieve perfection. And then when you're in practice, you have to lead your team. You have to be the one that the patients say, I trust her because she's the expert. And there is no room to not be that person. And I think for me, the realization for that came when I was here in America and I was in a car accident. It wasn't super severe, but it was it was nasty enough. And when I was at home later that day, I rang a couple of my friends. And I'd only been here maybe about a year at that point. And the first two people that I rang were new friends of mine. And I shared that I'd been in a car accident and they didn't really pick up on it too much. They're like, oh, that's a shame. That's hard. I'm sorry to hear that. But then very quickly, we moved on to talk about them and what their problem was and what Mm -hmm. their issue was that day. And then I spoke to one of my very, very like lifelong friends from England and told her the same thing. And she really, really gave me the time and she could tell that at that moment in time, I needed her. Mm-hmm. But that's the difference because when we don't know people very well or whether we're in a, in a professional position that we are portraying ourselves in a certain way to the public, we are perceived as the people, Karen is always in control. Karen knows what to do. Karen can look after this. Karen has shown she is always capable. We don't need to worry about Karen if she's been in a car accident. That's well within her easy steps and stride of the day. She can just take it in a stride. But yet, that's because that's what I'd shown to these people. I'd shown them that I was the person that could always cope. Mm. So there was nobody there to then say, actually, she does need something more today. Mm-hmm. Because we paint, we, make, we create the role that we, that we are in. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that like, <laughs> that was so profound right there. Because being in that control or perceiving that or portraying that control on a daily basis. I know that at the end of the day, there were some days where I would get home from clinic and I would close my apartment door and I would just lean on the back of my door and like just slowly slide down to the ground. And I'd be like, I'm just going to stay here for a moment. And that, and that was it. And that was me being able to be like, I don't need to be in control of this moment right now. And that's exhausting. That in and of itself is exhausting to always feel that you need to portray and be in control of every situation because then if we start to talk about decisions and becoming indecisive at times when we lose our confidence or when we're overtired, it's like, well, how can we keep things in control if we are tired and we're not allowing ourselves to take those breaks? Mm -hmm. So tell me, what are you seeing in the coaching world right now with 
self-doubt and perfectionism and how it's affecting dentists on their own or even dentists within the team. You want to go first, Karen? I've gone first. I, I don't okay. want to always go first. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sw- switch it up a bit. No, we'll yeah. Throw everybody off their, their course of thought. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that we see quite a bit is because specifically we talk about women in dentistry. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that we need to do perfectly. Dentistry is just one part of that. But a huge part of this is that so many women have other roles outside of dentistry that they also feel the need to be perfect in those roles too. Um, You know, in particular, if you were going to pick being a parent and all the pressure that that puts on you. And I think these women are women who go to work and the people that they see outside of work pretty much are the maybe the stay-at-home mums who aren't working and they're 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 looking at the stay-at-home mums and they're looking at their Instagram feeds of these other women and everything that they're doing for their children and the poor dentist is at work and she is feeling she wants to do it all too Mm -hmm. and she feels that because she's at work she is not as good a parent as the mum who she sees who has made all the crafts or whatever, or Pinterested, you know, the house in whatever way. Right. Because everybody would love to have a house that looks amazing. Everybody would love to have that life. And even though we know that what we see on social media isn't real, that we are just seeing a snapshot of somebody's life. I think that's something that these mums find very difficult is that they manage to go to work and they still want to be that full parent as well. Mm-hmm. And that the mental load that they carry whilst trying to do that is so overwhelmingly huge. That's a lot of pressure to put on oneself. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think too that it, it, you know, the role that we've gone into in dentistry, like you say, requires very precise work, very perfectionist. I mean, it's, it's, it's drilled into us, no pun intended. <laughs> Mm-hmm. from the beginning of dental school hold on a and second that was a delayed response because i didn't i was it. like well i guess that wasn't very funny <laughs> it didn't process fast enough so, <laughs> so thank you thank you awesome <laughs> um but it it again goes to the fact that no one is having conversations that are genuine where they really talk about their feelings and so we bring perfectionism into our clinical what we do clinically and then we want to bring that perfectionism to our practice our team our family where we volunteer how we clean and decorate our house we want to bring it into everything because that's how we've been taught that's how we have been on this achievement treadmill doing it and then you see everybody else doing the same and it looks perfect and so there's this false sense of if i share that i'm not feeling perfect if i share that i don't feel like my practice is perfect if i share that that occlusal composite wasn't perfect if I share that I am being vulnerable and no one is being vulnerable 
And so it, it comes to a point where it is scary to allow that information out and it just eats away at you. And so I think that um, it, it's important to, to recognize that uh, there is a definite lack of just real conversation and when you recognize that and can have that conversation, like the one I remember with one client, when I said, you're not alone, I felt that way too. She was like, you're kidding. Really? You know, to just hear you're not alone. And I think that that is something that we have been craving and that that the more that we talk about this, the more we we bring these conversations into life, then the more it just becomes, gosh, normal. It's normal for me to get together with my women colleagues and talk about the stuff that's hard. <laughs> it's normal to talk about my doubts. It's normal to talk about my fears. It's normal. It's so interesting that achievement treadmill and how we can start to compare ourselves, especially with social media. Before, I feel like back in the day, it was like you see random photos every once in a while, you go over to someone's house or you go to someone's dental office or conferences and like that's where the comparison aspect came in. But now with social media at our fingertips, accessible 24 seven, you can just be inundated by it all the time. And I remember a moment when I first started uh, practicing dentistry. I just finished as a resident and I was going to this women in dentistry group and I had just come from clinic What I wasn't feeling the greatest. Um, I was wearing like my jeans and like a blouse or something like that. And I remember walking into this room and these women, I was just like, I walked into the wrong room. Everyone is like pristine and like everything and like gorgeous jewelry and like everything. And all of a sudden I, it was like social media just like hit me in the face. Like I walked into a wall because it was happening in person. And I remember thinking, oh my God, what am I missing? Like, what did I forget? Like, what am I not doing in dentistry? Why can't I do this? Why don't I look like this? Why don't, like, it was just this spiraling thought pattern. Mm -hmm. And that's when I actually left social media for a few years. Cause I was like, everyone's getting married. Everyone's having their first kid. Everyone's buying that house. And I felt so behind mm -hmm. and it's so easy to slip into that comparison habit. So what would you tell people who feel like they're slipping into that comparison, whether it's at conferences or looking at social media, how do you manage that? I think um, one thing, and Laura, you'll probably agree with me on this, I think it comes down to working out what your values are. Mm. Yeah. It always, that's always so, seems where we come back to, like the key of everything mm -hmm. is working out what those values are and working out what's important. Um, and really matters and then I think after that there's some point of like some mindset work of like changing the compass and where it's and, like where it's pointing as to how much do you take notice of that mm -hmm. it's 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 not an easy thing to do but I think with the right guidance mm -hmm. you can change mindset Mm -hmm. um, but I think the first establish 
what the really important pieces are to you. Like you could have probably gone into that room and said, okay, is the jewelry of these women, is right. that important to me? No, it's not. But does their jewelry reflect that they're more successful than me? No. Does it reflect that they had a better day than me? No. Does it, re and just, it's those sort of, it's that sort of conversation I think that goes on. I wish I had you in the back of my head when I walked into that room right? that day. <laughs> Oh, I would have felt yes. the same. I would have felt the same. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, um, you know, I have a, I have a word for it and I don't know if I took this from someone else. So I'm not going to take credit for this word, but I call it comparitis. And, um, you know, I recognize the feeling that I get when I have comparitis and it's not a good feeling. And as soon as I recognize that, I remind myself, well, why am I feeling this way? And what can I choose? What thoughts can I choose to make my feeling feel better? And, but it's constant. It's not like I ever get over comparitis. It kind of is there, but it's how I choose to deal with it. And I think that that is something that is uh, liberating to know that it's like it's not that you ever arrive and you're not you're going to be confident collected not comparing um, you're going to get over imposter syndrome and perfectionism you know you're not going to arrive you're just going to every day do a little better than the day before and learn a different tool learn a different technique and um, and I think that the values like Karen said really help because you can always go back to those when it's chaotic and you can't remember maybe your tools, your techniques. You can always go back to that, that value, you know, like Karen said, do, do I value expensive, fancy jewelry? Yes. No, you know, as, and, and go from there. Uh, and so I think that it's important to recognize that, you know, every day just taking one step to get a little bit better to get a little bit better and you know you might have days where you slip down and that's okay that's part of the human condition we have those days and so you just wake up the next day and you say let's let's try this again let's try to do a little better today i think that that's where a lot of like our perfectionism and that achievement treadmill comes in is we need to be good at it and i got good at like weaving out that comparitis component, right? And it's just like, okay, I got really good at it. I'm not doing it. And then all of a sudden it happens because it is human nature. Mm -hmm. And we get so angry at ourselves being like, I thought I worked through this. I thought I wasn't going to do this again. What would you say to someone who is stuck in that moment as they're starting to make those changes and see those changes, but they slip into that, I can't believe I'm thinking this again. I think one of the best things that you can do is um, shine a flashlight on what's going on instead of using a hammer and beating yourself up. So shine a flashlight and get curious and say, you know, what needs work? Mm -hmm. What needs work in this moment? And, and move on. You know, it's like when you're when you're doing a difficult procedure that's not going how you planned it out. 
you know, you can either beat yourself up and feel terrible, or you can say, what, what, let's take a step back. Let's shine a light on this. What, what can I do now? What material would work better? What instrument would work better? Does the patient need a break? What can I do now? What needs work? So I guess, I guess that's, that's what I try to do. I'm not perfect, but, and that's what I, that's what I help, you know, my clients try and see, you know, look at things with curiosity and um, know that you're a work in progress every day. I love that. I think it's the same with that shining a flashlight on it. Firstly, have a little bit of grace with yourself mm. because I think we are our own biggest critics sometimes when we think things are going bad. And then once you've shone your flashlight on it, like Laura said, and be curious. And then I think a really nice thing to do is like, okay, that let's say that crown prep was really difficult. That extraction, oh my gosh, how my heart beat fast when I was doing that. And I, I feel like I am no good now because I was sweating as I was taking that tooth out which people wouldn't admit they were sweating when they were taking a tooth out. You know, you'd be shy to say that you <laughs> sweated when you did. I have to change my scrubs sometimes. So I don't know these people <laughs> who aren't sweating. <laughs> so, you know, but people are scared to say that, but then find something that you did really well. Okay. It was an incredibly stressful extraction and I was sweating. However, I got the tooth out and the patient left and they were fine. Or, you know, always try and find the good piece of, you know, we, we tend to look at it from just that one angle of like, we're critical of ourselves, but there will be a positive in there. So regardless of how difficult something turned out or like, you know, there is a positive to be found. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it is tiny, 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 but find it. <laughs> Finding that tiny, I think is so important. And I mean, it even just happened to me last week where last week uh, was my first surgical extraction, having been back in clinic, having been off of clinic for six months. And so I started to experience all those same emotions again. And it was as if I had, and I had done this, I had programmed myself that any surgical extraction that had come in, you get nervous because you don't know if you can do this. You know, it's like, I know, like, I know my skills, I treatment planned it. <laughs> like, it's one of those where it's getting through it. And then of course, because of all that uncomfortableness that came up at the end of it, it's so easy to be like, okay, I'm not feeling uncomfortable anymore and dismissing it. Mm -hmm. So reflecting, shining that light on it, and then finding that tiny positivity that can't, comes out of it is so important when we look back to reflect. So then we don't get stuck in that same repeating habit. And that's hard to reprogram, but it's totally possible. Laura, you said this, those small changes, those very small changes that make a huge, huge difference. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I freaking love talking about this stuff because I feel like we don't talk about it. <laughs> and talk about it enough, right? No. Oh my goodness. So with, I want to ask about self-doubt and how we can bring such emotional distress within our clinic and with our own lives at times. And I had asked this question to a bunch of practitioners when I had done Insta Live back at the beginning of COVID. And I asked the question, is self-doubt bad? And 
I loved everyone's response. So I would love to hear what your responses are. Is self-doubt bad? I am going to say, can I hedge my bets? <laughs> it's so personal. It can be whatever you want it to be. I think it never feels good, self-doubt. Never feels good. But I think a little bit of self-doubt keeps what you're doing safe. It keeps you um, working within the parameters that you are comfortable working in. Um, so I think there is a piece to it that is good. It, the bit that I don't like is when that self-doubt spirals out of control and then you can't, and then it is definitely not a useful thing. I will, if I can create my own self-doubt recipe, I'm going to take a tiny piece of self-doubt that has to be uh, kept in control. I love it. Awesome. I would say that self-doubt, like any feeling that we have, is neither good or bad. It's the story we give it in the moment. And so um, I, I agree with what Karen said, that we can use self-doubt to improve, to get better, to check ourselves, to make sure that things are in order. Um, and then we can also let it take control. And so I think looking back at moments in your life where self-doubt played, played a role and see if you can think about where you moved through it and had success and look at it as, you know, wow, that was, that was actually, that was helpful. And again, like we, we tend to focus on the times that maybe self-doubt what, you know, kind of made a spiral. That's what we focus on. And so then every time we feel that self-doubt, we've kind of trained ourselves to go into that spiral. And so again, just saying, wow, there have been times when I've had self-doubt and I've had a successful outcome. And let's look at that. And so I think that we can utilize self-doubt. It can be a good thing. And yeah, we just need to harness it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's a general consensus. Same. <laughs> it, it is. It's where the majority of people are saying, so self-doubt doesn't have to be bad. It can be if it cripples you, but it doesn't have to be. And so, oh, I, Karen, I appreciated how you said you wanted to hedge your bets right from the get-go. Because <laughs> it is, because even though we label our emotions good and bad, what if all emotions were just considered neutral based on how you choose to interpret them? So that is uh, so powerful. And when we start to create self-awareness. Yeah. Okay. And I think, and I think that that, you know, it's a really good point is just visiting about that. Like had I, I would never have thought that on my own alone when I was practicing like that, you know, it's the visiting about it. It's the talking about it. It's the being reminded. And so, you know, gosh, when you're feeling it, give somebody that you trust a call and talk through it. Yeah. Um, move through it. And, and, you know, we, we are, we are meant to work together on this planet. And so, um, and that's the one tough thing in dentistry is it, it can be sometimes isolating. So, mm. 
Collaboration over competition, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every yeah. day. So ladies, we have been through a lot and I appreciate this so much. So tell us, tell the audience a little bit about what you lovely ladies are up to right now. Well, thank you. We are so very excited because we are creating a, um, a place called the Mint Door. And the Mint Door is an exclusive members club for women dentists who crave the very best for their mind, body, and spirit. And so just like what we're talking about today, we, we didn't talk a lot about like clinical, like millimeters and materials. And we talked a lot about the mind, the body, and the spirit, because when that is functioning, I feel like everything else kind of comes along with it. So that's awesome. Go ahead. So the mint door is going to be like a bespoke and I love the word bespoke and Laura has been very Me kind too. to me. Me too. I A bespoke online oasis for women dentists where they're going to find well-being, wisdom and wonderful connections. And that's the piece of this puzzle that is missing at the moment. It's the, the connections that women in dentistry do not have to be able to create that, that safe space. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited for this journey that you ladies are on and how you are going to change the dental community. So thank you so, so very much. All of your information and where people can connect with you and the Mint Door will be in our show notes. But before we wrap up, I want to give you guys last last moments in time of what would you like to share with the world? Any last thoughts? Go on, Laura, you, you can go first. <laughs> What would I like to share with the world? I would like to share that as as healers, which we all are, it's important that we remind ourselves that we need healing too. Every day we put ourselves out there in many different roles and we give and we need to remember that we need to give back to ourselves every day not just on friday nights Mm. not just sleeping in on saturdays not the one month spa date or the vacation twice a year but every day intentionally cultivating self-love and um and and that again is another big focus of the mint door i think my one kind of runs exactly on a parallel track to your one uh we've obviously spent a lot of time together i'll phrase it in a slightly different way now um i think it's about that when we are everything to everybody else We are the dentist. We are probably a lab technician in our practice. We're probably the plumber who has to sort out the chair when the water's not coming out. We're the mechanic who has to fix things. You know, we have all these roles. We, you know, we're the carer that helps for our teams. You know, we look after our families and our pets and our houses and everything else. And that mental load is huge. Um, That find a way even if it's just one thing 
and start with that small thing. One way that you can relieve some of that mental load. And once you take a tiny piece, you can then keep chipping away at it. And that, you know, there are ways to work around it. But yeah, when you're everything to everybody, you need to think about who you are for yourself. Great words of wisdom, ladies. Thank you so much again. Everyone who's listening, make sure to check out Laura and Karen at the Mint Door. And if you need anything, reach out to them. They're incredible ladies who are willing to help and answer any questions that you have. Thank you again for spending the last little bit of time with me. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. You too. Thank Thank you. you, Jessica, for bringing up these topics and talking about this and helping as many people as you do with what you do. You're a, you're a true hero in our industry. So thanks for having us. Always fun to chat. Yeah. Always, always, always good laughs. Love it. (laughs) Damn, such incredible wisdom from some incredible women. Years ago, I never felt comfortable coming forward, sharing what was going on in my life and how I felt around it. I hear people around me make comments like, well, if they can't handle dentistry, then they shouldn't be in dentistry. I questioned myself for a very long time. Little did I know that others were struggling as well. I'm appreciative of what Karen and Laura are doing in dentistry so that others don't feel so alone. Let me say that again, you, my friend, are not alone. You are amazing, deserving, and capable of living the life you have always dreamed of and continue to dream of. It only takes you continuing to challenge yourself. And here's the thing, I will be here to nudge you, to support you as you start to experience the discomfort in challenging yourself. It's totally worth it and you know that deep down inside. It's time to think differently and change your narrative. I'm Jessica Metcalf, and this is The Dark Side of Dentistry, the shit no one talks about. Stay awesome.